Hello and welcome to the Points Brew podcast. It's episode 58 and Aaron, we're uh, recording virtually once again this evening, aren't we, mate? We are, yes, yes, once again at our uh, different residences uh, in our nice comfortable chairs uh, in our little man caves, tucked away drinking beer and chatting to uh, to good people. It was my man cave. It's now going to be my man cave stroke Anna's office when she returns to work in a couple of months. So uh, thank, uh... Th- thankfully, the camera can't see any lower because the floor is covered in crap at the moment as I'm rapidly trying to get her uh, office reset up when <laughs> she returns to work. So yeah, thankfully it can't. But no, we're not alone this evening. We're not alone. So the reason we are recording virtually is we, uh, we have some company this evening and I'm pleased to say that we are joined... By Tom from Mondo Brewing. Tom, how are you doing? You okay? Evening. It's a pleasure to be here. No, thank thank you for uh, thank you for joining, and I appreciate you uh, you joining us. You're feeling unexpectedly a, a little bit under the weather, but you've uh, you've soldiered on. You've you've braved the illness to to join us this evening. So we uh, we do appreciate you uh, you coming on, mate. Thank you very much. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Good. Uh, good. good man. Good man. Good. Well, it sounds harsh to say it, Tom, but it's you know. You are ill, but we're here to chat to yourself uh, and for yourself to do a, a bit of the talking. So I feel harsh making you uh, you, you do a fair bit of the talking, uh, given you said just off air that you are um, you are accompanied by some cough sweets and what have you to help you uh, along this evening. But um, as sort of succinctly and easily as possible for yourself, Tom, do you want to tell us a, a brief bit about uh, the history of the brewery, how it came to be and to, to, to where you are today, ultimately? Sure, yeah. Um the brewery started in early 2014. We began to write, uh, late 2013, we began to write a business plan while Todd Madison and myself were brewing at the now defunct London Fields Brewery in East London. And uh, it took about six to eight months, somewhere in there, to perfect the business plan. And shortly after that, we had secured some funding and in the meantime, we had been meeting with estate agents all around the city to find a location. Uh, what we wanted to do at the time, London Fields was sort of cobbled together, uh, old dairy equipment. And for those brewers out there, Dave Porter Kit, who's sort of this famous English character who builds these very simplistic yet very useful brewing systems. And we wanted to do something that was a little bit more advanced, uh, uh, technological, uh, uh, materials. So we wanted pressurized vessels. We wanted um, state-of-the-art pumps and a uh, a computer system that was sort of driving some of the stuff to make the homogeneity of the product a little bit better. Mm. So um, in our off hours, we were brewing in Todd's garden and writing the business plan and looking for space. And by the end of 2014, we found everything, moved into the building in late December of 2014, all of the equipment was installed and we had refurbed a part of the building for taproom space by May, 2015, first beers were headed out into trade. And over the years, you know, we started off with a very small team. Uh, I was head brewer and, and, and brewing, you know, once, sometimes twice a day with a junior brewer who's now off working for uh, Goose Island. Oh, wow. uh, Todd oh, was wow. uh, doing doing sales and deliveries. And we had another uh, um, 
salesmen who came with us. Actually, everyone came from London Fields. We sort of fucked the people we really liked. <laughs> and oddly enough, at that time, you know, London Fields was populating a number of the, the you know, flourishing breweries throughout the UK. Mm. And we grabbed the the head of sales from there as they were sort of um, dealing with their own inner turmoil brought on by the by the owner of the business. Uh, and then from the four of us, you know, it slowly grew to six, eight, ten. I think we're at twenty people now. Um, you know, full brew team of uh, brew team and packaging team of about eight people. Uh, sales team of three. Um, marketing, advertising. Um, and then tap room staff. We're about to open a new external tap room right at Borough Market, the uh, tap room and pizzeria with uh, large 500 liter serving tanks. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We, uh, that's the 2014, 2015 to present day. And it, well, it's it's nice to hear that you you know obviously everything that's gone on in the last few years that you've managed to sort of get to this point where we're at now and sort of in look to expand you know and, and especially that speaking to people in the industry and breweries in and around london area london is notoriously a, a challenging area to to be based in so i might you know to be expanding into that sort of area and territory and having a second tap room and everything's is fantastic so is that would you would you say that london is pretty much your where the vast majority of your business is given it's your home and you sort of it's London is a big place a lot of places to get out to would you say that that's probably one of your biggest hot spots or would you say that it's spread quite nicely across the across the UK that's a very good question um you know it's interesting we we brewed about 2300 hectoliters the first year and mm. then slowly grew to the the threshold for um the brew, small brewers relief Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to five five thousand hectoliters a year which we brewed last year and somewhere around uh 82 percent of that is sold within six miles of the brewery wow wow uh the remainder is um online sales we have some distribution uh a bit of distribution up north we just picked up a new distributor out of Leeds, um and we've got fans that uh had one time lived in london they can buy our beer online and they live in, you know, the furthest throws of the UK. Mm. But I would say the majority of our sales are within the M25. I quite like that. It's something which we've spoke about yeah, yeah, yeah. quite quite recently on many podcasts is quite the locality of it. And if you want your beer, you have to kind of go to your home to get it, you know, and whether that's direct yourself or within sort of like you say, six miles of, of the brewery and getting it from a venue or a bottle shop or wherever quite close to, to where you're based I quite, I quite like that a little bit and as as good as it is obviously that you get to spread yourself further afield across the UK I quite like that sometimes well if I want want their beer or I want your beer I have to come get it do you know what I mean I have to come and, and visit to, to get it and it's quite nice that that in some respects that your sort of home territory is taken and taken to the beer and to the philosophy of the brewery and things because I think a lot of breweries sort of a where we need to get to top to bottom of the UK and not necessarily focus on where, where they are. And I, I get that certain breweries like ones in Cornwall struggle, you know, it's quite a, a finite market, but it's nice that you sort of homegrown and home developed and sort of stick to that, that stick to that region. So yeah, it's quite good. And then you guys sort of take, you know, from your own um, website and things, you take inspiration from a lot of places, including 
um, including London. Obviously, it's got such a broad history and culture and things that you can take into the beer. Um, so it's it's quite quite good that you you draw inspiration from that. And and the the one thing that I see you guys synonymous for is is, is the branding on the cans. You know, is that in this market in this world, it's quite hard to to stand out. But I, I quite like the the branding. This all this sort of hand drawn sort of cartoony sort of comic book esque sort of style. Um, yeah can art that you've got going on there and is it's you have do you have somebody in that does that for you right and saying like a, an artist that does that for you in the early years we had uh sort of a hodgepodge of artists who are contacting us and who are friends of friends and just cold calls you know graphic designers mm. who said i really like your beer i'd like to do something and then in 2018 late 2018 we made a concerted effort to work with a single artist and develop a little bit more brand identity and, and his name is Luke Drost. He, um, uh, oddly enough, he was just living around the corner from me at the time. He's originally from Derby, mm. and uh, he and his wife have relocated to Scandinavia. Uh, he he was known for doing a lot of concert posters and and album artwork, and he came to us with this sort of. He was working at a bottle shop, uh, not too far from me in southeast London, and mm. uh, he came back to us with this sort of kaleidoscopic design. So he took elements of the names and the and the artwork that was being used at the time, 2018. And then he played around with this sort of kaleidoscope um, design. And that's a running theme throughout the core beers for sure. Um, and it has been a theme in some of the seasonal beers and the collaborations, but a lot of times we just give them free reign. We just, we sort of share a lot of the same uh, cultural touch points you know music movies um these references and and we send him some ideas that we've come up with brainstorming in the office or you know just through banter and uh, he comes back with usually almost every time the first take we just mm -hmm. look at it and we go what he just got it he got it right away it's good so, when you've got uh, someone like that indeed he's come down to the brewery quite a bit he comes back to the uk often and swings by the brewery and we sit down have a few pints and have a chat and um we're just sort of synced up good that he sort of gets your cut of the jib and your vibe to with you know like you say most of the time it's right do this this is the beer and give him a bit of freedom but a bit of a steer at the same time and, and come back and and nail it and it's you know i think it's hard to like i said to stand out in a lot of ways in in this world but it's nice that when you've got that core identity of this is our style, this is our branding, and yes, each can's different each time, but you look at the style of the can and you can say, yes, that is a that is a Mondo, that's a son, so that's a whomever, because sometimes people have do have a style and veer from it a little bit, but it's nice that you've got that um that style and certainly from the cans that we've had, you know, from yourselves recently and the 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 two that I'm drinking tonight and Aaron's drinking, you know, you look at them and you go, Yeah, that that's mm. definitely a, a Mondo and it's nice that 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 like you say, that broad sort of eclectic collection of inspiration from from him to, to yourselves comes into the uh, comes into the mix and there's very few people that you meet where you're talking in you know one breath about Carl Sagan and another breath about Jesus Christ superstar and they just come back <laughs> immediately you know knowing the reference and then coming up with artwork that sort of encapsulates the the phrase or or silly word or idea that that you got stuck on and thought that would make a good beer name yeah yeah yeah. i, I like yeah, the yeah. um the header 
across the top. I always think that's a really good idea of yours, where it's nice and clear. So yeah. you can see the name, you can see the style. You know, it's not, it's not, it doesn't go missing in the uh, in the artwork. I think it's just really good to just have a very, it's just a really simple idea of just having, you know, a header on the top, you know, clear, bold writing. This is what you're getting. And then underneath you have the, you know, the madness, the the crazy artwork that catches people's eye. I just think it's a really, really simple idea. I mean, it's, it works tremendously well. You can't imagine how often we stare at this stuff and discuss where that kind of thing should go and um, yeah. and how many professional graphic artists we deal with who just had no idea to make it gel or work and didn't understand that you're still selling a product and people need to walk up and look at it and say, oh, IPA, <laughs> oh, Hellas Lager, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're, 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 you know, is in the can, mm-hmm. they need to know what that product is. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. And from from working in 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 the industry of a bottle shop, and it's in some respects, it's nice that sometimes cans make you go and pick them up and mm. look at them. But obviously, that that changed quite a lot during COVID. I found is that obviously when people were making conscious not to pick as many things up and put them back down, and they want to see what something is. They want a familiar brand and identity, and they want the front of the can to say, IP, like you say, Aaron, IPA, mm. pale, sour, stout, whatever it is. And you, you could have a look at the back and see see what hops are in there, but you're not picking a can up blind and then going home and thinking, oh, crap, I've picked up a sour when you hate them or, or yeah. stout or, you know, whatever it might be. And there are breweries out there that do it, you know, so big breweries yeah, yeah. That do it. We always think as, as much as we, we love them, like North, North Cans, for example, great, you know, Refold's artwork, fantastic. You have no idea what's in the can. See a great piece of art on the front, um, like you say, Tom. Yeah, it's great that it's it looks great, but what's in it? Yeah. You have no idea. You no, know, you have no idea what's what's in it, and and it's no disservice to them. But like you say, at the end of the day, you have got a product that you're trying to get out to people, and people can just look at and go, "There's an IPA that, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take one of them." And this, yeah. why not? Rather than saying dismissing it, you know, some people would dismiss it. You know, people. Well, no, I'm not going to look. I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, I fell foul of it with the. Dig, dig brew. When sure. I thought I'd bought mm. a, uh, I thought I thought it was like a New England or something. I thought, oh, I don't know why or how I came to the conclusion that it was going to be a New England. I think I just saw a hop on it, and then some fruit. I was like, oh, mm. nice, nice, juicy New England. I'll get that. I went, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah. That, that'll do me. It's a nice hot day. That'll be sound. Sat back drinking and I realized and it were a goza, which I, I, I don't mind. I like goza, but I was a bit like. Oh, you know, like you don't just do not expect it. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. I was like, "Whoa!" No, nothing, no, nothing more shocking or jolting than when you grab a beer and it's not what you thought it was. Yeah, honestly, my, my world was topsy turvy that afternoon. Everything had just gone uh, gone a bit weird. So it was a very yeah. nice beer. I enjoyed it, but so yeah, it was lovely. Might not have been a good. Some... It might have just been a plain sour, but it was yeah, it was something that I wasn't expecting. It wasn't what you wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some some people do the branding, um, you know, starkly simple and and get away with it. Uh, we have the um, one of the salespeople from Wiper and True frequents our tap room, and he dropped off a mm. bunch of beers recently. And I brought a few home, and it's 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 so just uh, you know naked. It's no frills, but it's it's clean design and. Every beer exactly does what it says on the tin. It's right there for all the world to see. Easy to read. Exact ABV style. Uh, you know, there's something to be said about getting that right. Yeah. They, 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 are they still doing like the sort of like the, the ivory background with like the gold 
um, like Clipar and Fon. Are they is that what and, they were doing? That's in, yeah, white base. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like that, yeah, that gold leaf type of. Yeah, you know, yeah. Simple design. I thought it was an elephant at first on one of them, but I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah. it's a very simple <laughs> shape. It's some you know geometric shapes, and then it says who the the brewery is over the top, and then you know the style and the the ABV. That's really important for me when I walk in. I if I'm looking for a four percent lager, I, I want to find that right away. Yeah. So that that kind of information for me as a as a consumer is important to find. Hundred percent. It's a little bit like um, what you say about Pomona Island, isn't it, Aaron? You know, a little bit with Wiper and True is that not yeah. the white and gold, but it's just one color. It's got the name. It's got a picture on the front. It's got a little bit of yeah. text underneath. No frills, and that's just exactly what it is. And and it's sometimes yeah, easy. yeah. I always use Pomona Island as there as like if you go. For- as the example of the simplistic view where it is just like it's like very pastel you know pastel colors with a clip art the near like the sim uh, you know the pomona island logo and then underneath name style done and that's yeah. it you know that's all you need and then, you know when they line up in the fridge together and you say you know you got four or five pomona islands you just got you know you just had an order in and you sit there and you see them all like, it does look satisfying. You almost don't want to drink them because they look so pretty. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and you get told to do washing up or something and you're like, nah. <laughs> go then I'll have one. <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> but yeah, the um we'll come on to I think Aaron, you've jumped into um you've jumped into the phantasm of the hopper that we are gonna be talking about um in, in a short mm-hmm. while, which is one of the reasons why we've uh, we've done this podcast. But I've um I've tucked into one of the uh, other cans that you uh, kindly sent out through uh, Tanatom, and I've gone in for the um, the session IPA, the little victories. Um, so I've I've jumped into that one, which is very nice. And looking at the um, you know looking at the ingredient list there of, in terms of what you've done into you know the inclusion of dextrose and lactose in there, um, and then carapils and and wheat in in the uh, the malt bill. So in terms of your experimentation recipe development all these other wonderful things that happen in this world do you do you guys try and keep evolving adapting tweaking things trying new things obviously which obviously will again the phantasm which will come on to but um are you just collaborating in many different sort of guides and variations as possible just to keep things fresh and sort of pushing the boundaries and sort of learning new techniques and and styles and trying to push the quality of the end product, really. I started home brewing back in 1999 off of one of those liquid malt extract mm. kits. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I really uh, began home brewing in earnest in the mid-2000s. I moved from uh, the Bay Area of San Francisco, Berkeley, over to Tokyo. And uh, wow. I couldn't find a lot of the beers that I was accustomed to, to having in the, in the Bay Area. So I started home mm. brewing a lot. And it was sort of removed from the real hardcore American homebrew scene, which was very lively at the time. And I didn't have any of those um, uh, constraints or inhibitions that I think a lot of American homebrewers were voicing at the time, which was, oh, never use lactose. You can get that manipulating the the malt. Never use this, never use, don't use corn. That's what the, the big breweries use to make the beer cheaper. Never use rice. I, I, I never fell into, I always thought that was ridiculous. I thought the whole point of being a homebrewer was you could just use whatever just what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That, yeah, yeah. That, That's the beauty that, of it. That you, should, you should constantly be identifying flavors and use 
an ingredient because it gives a good flavor. And if rice gives a good flavor, if, if lactose sugar gives a good flavor, whatever it is, that's the thing you should use, you know? And, um, I went down that path and, uh, we've tried to maintain that in the, in the brewery. That's what keeps us excited mm. about brewing. Mm-hmm. And certainly my, um, our, our head brewer now have retired the position a, a couple of years ago now. And, uh, Daniel Shepard, the uh, German kid is now the head brewer. And he, he brings that same sort of, um, acquisitiveness, you know, like a child walking yes. through the woods. He wants to know what everything is. So between the two of us, it's a constant, um, conversation of what's out there, what techniques are new. I think there's a lot to be said about collaborations mm. as well, because every time I go to another brewery and see how differently people are doing it, I, um, I, I just gain inspiration. And I take a little bit of that back to our brewery and I say, well, we're not going to do it exactly like them, but this little trick was really cool. Or, you know, not doing that this time, let's try that. And I think yes. one of the things that we're, we're sort of known for now, we do a lot of no-boil IPAs. We bring the wort up to about 98, 99 degrees for a few minutes, and then we crash it on the way to the whirlpool. We call it cool pooling. I, I think some people have taken issue with that terminology. I hadn't heard anybody use that word before myself. <laughs> I, I thought I made it up. I kind of like the word. I don't care if anybody else likes it, if they don't like made-up words. <laughs> well, then they don't like Snoop Dogg, you know? <laughs> so. So um, I learned that from uh, this Swedish brewer. He's from northern Sweden. He's a good friend of ours. He came over and he said, why don't we try the, the Norwegian style where they, they don't boil? And so as shocking as that was for traditional brewers. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say um, that's pretty wild. Yeah, we did it and we trusted his, um, we trusted the science that he presented behind it. And, um, and now we do it regularly. It leaves a lot of proteins and a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of body behind that would normally get boiled out, stabilized through the boiling process. Yeah, and there and therefore it has this. You know, our our house IPAs and such have this sort of chunkiness and this um, they retain this fruitiness that I, I I didn't get before making beers by boiling them. So yeah, that 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 kind of exposure to other brewing methods and um, you know, just reading the trade magazines and, and being involved in, in industry groups, talking to other brewers, that keeps us on our toes. And it, it's the fun part of brewing. It is, yeah. I mean, I, I love like learning and, 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 and continuing to, you know, find out these new techniques. So that for me, I've never, I've never heard of that. You know, I think coming from quite a traditional background, like not yeah. boiling is you know you know the the meme where the guy's mind blown sort of thing that's like you know i've never i, I would you know i'm sort of scared that it's not being done right i'm like oh no i've got to do it i've got I to took- boil you know because that's what that's what you do sort of thing um but i can sort of see what you mean yeah leaving the proteins in definitely because that would be a uh, obviously if you're doing something with a load of a load of body in there or you know like a, a milkshake or uh you know or something like a stout or something where you want that to have that, that massive massive body then that that obviously makes loads of sense yeah yeah we um 
I, I took that idea to uh, another local brewery had asked us. They're a bit smaller just down the road. I'm not going to name names, but they said, you know, come, yeah. come brew a beer with us. And I said, okay, I'll brew a beer with you, but it has to be this style. We're really into it right now. I really want to do another one on somebody else's kit. And we went and did it. And day three of the fermentation, he said, you need to come over here and taste this. And I'm going to dump it. It's no good. It's not. Lo and behold, it was one of, yeah. his, it was one of his fastest selling beers. I convinced him not to dump it. It's just one of those things that people, traditional brewers, they hear that and they, they freak out. It's, it's like, no, yeah, yeah. you can't do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can't do that. Well, <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I want to I want to go and, and try it now. You know, I want I want to see. I, in fact, I'll tell you what, I, I'll, I'll do it and I'll wear one of them like, you know, spy um, caps with a little camera under the, under the bill of my cap. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you the face. Of uh, of of the director there because I know exactly what it would be if I told him we're not going to boil and we're just going to do this it uh, yeah it I don't it, it face would be exactly the same as the first time I give him a sour yeah so, flip, uh, flip table I'm dying to see quick. the video please uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, have, we'll have to do a yeah we'll do like a, a business pitch to him just like I was like Dragon's Den it's like Simon <laughs> is it like, this is what we want to do yeah. right you stick with it you know stick this with it you know hear me out. <laughs> Don't jump in, don't <laughs> don't interrupt, don't put in. But yeah, it's, but like like you say, Tom. Though this this is the whole brilliance of, of this world is like you say when when you've been sort of home brewing and brewing for for so long and been in America, been in Japan, and uh, and now here and things. You know, you've come from been in different countries and cultures, experienced these things, and that that's what craft beer is about. You know, is bringing all these different cultures and flavors and things and. You know, and all these, you know, like you said, there's no rule book. There's 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 general rules that you you know, but even then, like you say, if you're not doing a, a boil, even one of them rules that has been there for however many years, you just well, no, no, I don't need to do that. Just just leave it. But you know, again, it's that all these different things that you could tweak and amend and do things at a different time and at a different ratio and to a different quantity. And well, we'll put this ingredient in it, see if it works. And if you can do it on a small batch before committing to a massive batch, then fantastic you've tried it if it works great and if it doesn't well we've lost a small amount of beer but we've not wasted too much beer but if you're just doing the same thing day in day out then you just stagnate and it just becomes boring surely do you know what i mean you're just doing the same thing again and again it's well what's point you know and and i get that to a certain extent you'd have core beers and a core range but even then sort of keeping tweaking keeping things fresh and and going back and looking at them then it, it like you say it keeps that when you come through the door in the morning it keeps that spring in your step and it keeps your your mind going and it it, it keeps your enthusiasm there surely doesn't it yeah pardon the pun but uh beer is culture and culture is fluid 100 mm. percent. so it's, yeah. con it's, it's constantly moving and changing we think it's stagnant because we're dealing with it in one particular point in time mm. But it has evolved and changed and the equipment's changed and the ingredients have changed dramatically with industrialized farming and, and better farming techniques and pesticides and, and uh, selecting for uh, specific traits. All these things have played a part. So somebody tells you that they're going to brew a beer from 1902, chances are it's not going to taste anything like that because we manipulate our water better and we... We do the, all these things. So yeah. everything is constantly changing. And if you take a step back and you put it in that perspective, it makes it a lot funner to experiment with things. And I understand that most bigger breweries can't do that for economical reasons. They have to stick with, you know, the, the, the big sellers, you know, Camden Hills, Camden Pale. 
Hmm. There's not much they can do on the outside of that, but that's where the beauty lies is we occupy this smaller portion of the market where we can continue to do things that are fun. We can sell most of our beer locally and um, it, it keeps people excited about the brand. It keeps people excited about the product. Um, I, I don't think that certainly with our customer base, beer isn't just something that you swig, you know, constantly during a sports match or out with your, your friends at the pub. Now it's something that is, you, you're actually talking about the product. That's been like that for a little while, but it's it's more a part of the conversation rather than just an afterthought that's getting you to a physical and mental state of intoxication. Mm. And and that's more of the conversation we want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the the world that we're in with beer ticking and exploration is that, that well, that's the market that people are, are wanting anyway. And, and myself and Aaron are sort of two of the, you know, biggest culprits for it is that, you know, I want, I want something new, I want something different. And you're not going and having the same thing again and again. And as much as there's some great core beers out there that we could drink again and again, you want, you're wanting these mm. new experiences and flavors and things done differently, which obviously at some point in time, there will be a, I'm sure a finite very you know, amount of variation in, in, in brewing, but it's like our, our cold IPA episode that we did recently you know there's a different definition of what a cold IPA is and it depends on which school of thought you go down you could be one and you could be another and it's just that again that variance in well you don't really know what it is but you don't need to know you're just enjoying it and one might be this type and one might be that type and it's just this constant Pandora's box really and of just well infinite possibility and tastes and experiences and things and that, that's that's what we're in it for you know that that's that's why we're here we're not here to just drink the same thing again and again as much as like saying some beers we'd love to but well you know as, as hard as it is to keep up with sort of the joneses of doing new things every time that's that's what we're trying to do and what we're trying to achieve isn't it so yeah it's interesting that you mentioned the cold ipa that was uh <laughs> um those those that sort of um catchy title phrasing advertisement of beers for me is always it always plays with my mind because I'm not sure because I know what I know what I would call it, but if I called it that, it wouldn't sell. Mm. But you know, let's yeah. let's not let's not say cold IPA. Let's say um, DDH. DDH. Most of the people who made them didn't dry hop them twice. They dry hop them once, just a lot of hops. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. they dry hop them mid fermentation and then you know at the end of fermentation. But then they found out. Well, hey, you know, if that's a generation of yeast that you wanted to keep, you can't dry hop it mid-fermentation. You'll lose the generation. So, you know, you, yeah. you, you, you figure out how to make a beer that fits that category that doesn't need to abide by the rules at the, you know, that it's sort of sold under that that, that name of DDH. It, it, it can look, smell and, you know, walk like a duck, talk like a duck. And it, it doesn't have to be a duck. Mm. So yeah. you don't have to double dry hop a beer to make it look, smell, taste like a double dry hop beer. And probably if you're a good brewer and you're thinking about, you know, economy. And again, like I said, we, we have a house yeast strain that keeps going for, you know, 12, 15 generations. And to do that, we could never dry hop mid fermentation and, and, and taint that yeast with so much hop particulate. So um yeah it's 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 nice that those things come along those names come along and they popularize something that you've always loved and if you can just accept the fact that the public wants to call it that 
you can mm. push a few boundaries within that. And like you said, there are different schools of thought on what a cold IPA is. And that's because different people want to shove their version into that category. And I think that's wonderful. Mm. I think if, if you like the name cold IPA and it's a lager with more hops or that's dry hops, wonderful, go for it. Then you sell it as an, I, you know, people buy it more because you call it an IPA instead of an IPL. That's more power to you. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is it. And it's, you know, even, even if you look at like the BGACP of, you know, the, style guide it's it's a style guide it's not a style book Mm. or rules or definitives it is just well this is a guide of well this is what you know an ipa generally should be but does it have to be it doesn't have to be like you say it's like black ipa and things like that isn't it it is you know it could you say a black ipa might just you know somebody might say well it's just a hoppy porter or something do you know what i mean it it could yeah it's the same thing in a cold ipa could just be a hopped lag or it's just but a, a hopped porter, like you say, if you call it that, it's probably not going to sell. Whereas it's if you call gonna, it a black IPA, yeah, yeah, yeah dry hop style, it, sell. And it's like, like you said, Tom, <laughs> is that if you call it, you know, an, an IPL, an Indian pale lager, well, it's probably going to put IPA drinkers off because well, I'm not drinking a lager, you know. Whereas if you call it a cold IPA, well, it sounds cool. So it's got IPA in it. So yeah, well, exactly. yeah well, let's give it a go. You know, let, let's try it and and do it. And there is a certain element to craft beer that is marketing and player, you know, plays mm. on words styles phrases buzzwords and you know it's what what was it that other half coined with hd hc the high density hop charge and all that and it's just like there's <laughs> yeah, so many yeah, yeah. acronyms and things that people just don't understand but it sounds cool so yeah let's let's buy it let's drink it and yeah it'll be, it'll be fine it's going to be amazing and i think there is a little bit yeah for in craft for most of us we're t- we're tiny little operations without you know huge marketing and and research and development funds and if we can come up with something that gets people excited i don't i don't i don't care if it you know somebody else thinks it's disingenuous i think it's fun i think Mm -hmm. it's interesting that other half would you know come up with some kind of weird name just to say that they're putting (laughs) a lot of hops in Mm -hmm. at one time you know other breweries do that all the time and don't talk about it if you can talk about it it gets people excited and they want to try the beer wonderful yeah more power to you yeah Look what we're up against, you know, rising fuel prices, rising energy prices, uh, all raw materials have the cost of chemicals for us right now. I mean, the caustic. Oh, man. It's, it's gone up 400%. So if we can get people excited about the product by coming up with buzzwords, that's what people in marketing and advertising have been doing for the last whatever since Edward Bernays, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this, this idea of selling people on ideas around your product it's it's as old as product selling yeah so exactly that's, that's, I'm all that's for what it. they're paid to do ultimately isn't it and then today that's you, you here's a product you need to buy it because it's going to be amazing you know and that's 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 what they're there to do yes. in, in whatever way shape or form as long as somebody's buying it then that's that's success and you know obviously it's not a cynical thing of well it's it's a bad product it's a great product but just anything you can do to make it stand you know stand out among the crowd and sort of shout louder than anybody else then that, that's absolutely that's, that's the true test and and that's what other half gets away with yeah. they've always got the liquid the liquid is always good yeah exactly exactly right so we'll move on to what is the one of the reasons why we we're here tonight tom if if we may is the beer that you kind of sent to us very recently is the uh, phantasm of the hopper 
which this is uh, quite interesting for us because it's a collaboration with uh, Saltair Brewery as well, which is a brewery that is relatively in close proximity to myself and Aaron um, over in Saltair, mm-hmm. over in Bradford, where in West Yorkshire. Um, so it's quite an interesting uh, collaboration that you've chosen with that brewery, but also the the ingredient phantasm, which the beer gets its namesake from. So do you want to tell us, first of all, the uh, the, the about the ingredient and then... Secondly, how the uh, how the collaboration came about? Sure, some uh, um, wine growers in New Zealand had figured out that um, leftover Sauvignon grape skins uh, actually had a lot of uh, various um, organic compounds in them that are near identical or identical to the types of grapefruit, uh, peach, stone fruit. Um, very vibrant forest flavors that you get from hops. Mm-hmm. So um, these very complicated named uh, compounds uh, were, if you take the grape skin and you dry it, then you pulverize that that meat, if you will. There's like a, a you know, it's not just the skin, but there's 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 more chunky stuff between the skin and the actual grape. You take that, you pulverize it, um, and put it in beer and it will mimic the flavors that you're getting these, these fruity compounds that come through from, from hops. And um, they'd been experimenting with it for a while. And they finally sent some to uh, some quite uh, popular breweries in the States, but they weren't sending it anywhere outside of that in the 2021 uh, um, production year. And uh you know, we faithfully follow, as I said, the trade magazines and, you know, uh, Instagram and, uh, you know, chat groups and um, just speaking to other brewers. And uh, lo and behold, a friend of ours from just outside Denver, Colorado, was coming over for the London Craft Beer Festival and asked if we'd like to do a beer with them, Upslope Brewery from Boulder, Colorado. And I noticed that he had used the Phantasm before. So uh, we asked him to bring some in his suitcase because it's not available in the UK. <laughs> so he smuggled three kilos in. He was very nervous about it. He was sure he was <laughs> going to get I imagine so. He was sure he was going to get done at the border, but um, he made it through. And uh, that beer was fantastic. Uh, it was only three kilos in a 2000 liter batch, which isn't a hell, whole hell of a lot, no. but it, it turned out to pack a serious punch. So um, I went back to the States in November to hang out with my parents and um, I was able to contact a hop uh, distributor there. Uh, I'm from Missouri, from St. Louis, and I found a guy in Michigan who has a, a pretty lucrative hop trade. And he had a bunch of Phantasm in stock. So I had 20 kilos shipped down to me at my parents' house. And uh, I paid for an extra bag on the airplane back and uh, hand carried 20 kilos in, which was a little more nerve wracking than three <laughs> kilos. Um, and we we used 10 kilos in our brew at our place and 10 kilos in a uh, cask-only brew at Saltaire. Saltaire, nice. the... Collaboration came about because my business partner, Todd, is very good friends with them. He's met them at various festivals and, um, yeah, just mm. struck up a friendship. 
and uh, the we we had started talking about it sometime last summer, and we knew that I was going to procure more of the phantasm. So, um, and we thought, what better way to see how it 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 comes through than to have it both in a carbonated, fully carbonated keg, canned beer, and then their cask version, and put those two side by side. Mm. So. They sent us half of their batch, which we've been distributing to pubs around London. We sent them half of our batch, which they have um, been selling throughout uh, Yorkshire. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying about, you know, striking up these friendships and, and partnerships and collaborations is that, you know, they, you know, Saltair have been doing more traditional styles and cask led brewery and to sort of collaborate on something quite, you know, almost opposite ends of the spectrum, really. And using such a what you know, I mean, tasting that beer is wow. You know, the the smell on that is mm. like it, I've not I've not smelled a beer like that in 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 a long long time. And it obviously probably because of taste and things change. But sniffing that and then tasting it, it's like oh my god, that like that's a massive like smack in the mouth of like you say all those grape and peach and yeah. all those you know like there's <laughs> absolute medley of fruit in there. It, it's crazy that something that can come out of relative you know nowhere in, in certainly in the uk at the moment uh, by all all uh, all sounds there is that as you taste develop and change and you need to sort of don't get blown away by beer as much that that kind of brings it back and it's like oh my god like that yeah. that's that that's an absolute explosion of flavor and aroma that i've not come across in a in a long long time all i was going to say is it's interesting that you mentioned the like the sav uh, the Sauvignon Blanc um, grapes and things because it does have that that that, that sort of, that, that tartness, um, almost a a little bit like of a like a sort of a dry sour tartness to to it that Sav does have. Uh, I'm not a huge wine uh, drinker, but if I do, it is normally uh, a Sav because I do I, I like that sort of tartness that it has um, from that. And you can that's the first thing I picked up straight away. I picked that up. Almost instantly, I was like, "Yeah, this this really tastes like a, uh, you know, a, a Wapu Cove Sav or whatever." You know, it, it yeah. was like, "Yeah, that really does come out massively." Yeah, without getting too much into it, those um, those compounds are called theols, and mm-hmm. um, there's one in, there's one in particular that really shines through with that sort of grapefruit flavor. That's the three mercapto octanol. And that carries with it so much uh, of that, um, I, you know, it's it's almost like you're biting into a fresh grapefruit. It's yeah, yeah. it's really amazing. It's it's bright. It's citrusy. It's it's just wonderful. And um, we've been experimenting with a couple of yeasts that um, typically during the fermentation, uh, a normal Saccharomyces cerevisiae will go through a phase where it burns off a lot of the theols that were created during the mash from the grains and the, the hops that are both in the boil and the whirlpool, but more, more particularly the, the hops from uh, the whirlpool that haven't lost all of their oil quality. And mm. um, fermentation, the volatility of it, it, it goes through uh, biotransformation, which leads to the disappearance of these flavors. And then, you know, they've been, particularly um berkeley yeast um omega yeast they've been coming up with these strains 
they're calling them Hapa Lock or or some derivation of that name that does not burn off these theols during fermentation. And um, we can't get those here in the UK because they are um, genetically modified. However, mm. there's a, a, a lab uh, in Copenhagen and another one in uh, Dublin where we can get the non-genetically modified version that does a pretty damn good job, not quite the steroid version from the States, but does a pretty good job of, of, of keeping those theols protected mm. during the biotransformative period of fermentation and leaves you with a lot of the quality of that. So you're using less raw materials to get more hot flavor. And ultimately, that's the way we need to go. We need to lower our carbon footprint when we're when we're when we're getting flavors out of a beer, so that we can be well, so that you know, my son and his son and his son can brew beer instead of fighting off global warming and rising oceans and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. yeah. No, I I hundred percent get it. And one one thing that I thought was going to be a recurring trend as, as we go on, like say through these cost of living crisis and things, Tom is trying to get more bang for your book and more low ABV pails and, and things, you know, sub five and maybe five and a half percent of trying to get more flavor out of something and fewer dippers, fewer tippers, fewer big silly beers. And we, we've seen today Verdant um, announced their triple putty at 10% and looking at the cost of that, that's going to be quite an expensive beer to buy because it's mm. going to be a, a hellishly expensive beer to produce and surely for i love that and, you know and this isn't a criticism of Vernon at all because I, I love strong beers i love putty and then I'll, I'll jump on a, a triple you know triple percent version uh, as as much as the next person but the longevity of the industry as it is here and now is surely like you say trying to find ways and means of making sure we can get more bang for our buck and less wastage more yield more flavor all these things that we could again i don't know the technicalities of uh recipe creation and things but your hops going further you know well we've got this many hops and it can make three beers rather than one beer you know and, and that's the like you say that's surely the the future proofing that needs to be happening right now and, and probably is going on in a lot of um a lot of circumstances but like like you know the use of this phantasm and, and things like that is that in pre preservation of these theols and what have you is like it, the more we can do of that the better you know and and i know certainly if i stuck that on on, on in the in the shop on the bar that that that'd fly out because it's like again it's a little bit like an oh my god moment and it's so flavorsome and so powerful and only at four and a half percent it's like yeah that that's that's got more punch than beers that could be double its percentage and it it's almost like well why do i need a beer that's eight percent when i can get a four and a half percent beer that's doing everything i need it to you know and and, and i'm sure that's I'm, I'm sure that's the conversation that you guys and a lot of other breweries out there are having is that well what you know a, a dip is great but why do I need one if I can can have that in half half the size? Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't want to discount the fact that, you know, triple IPAs really do um, have a value and they, mm. they um, are an interesting thing. And I, I, I do try them once in a while, but uh, on, on the regular, I, I, if I step into a pub with some friends, I'm looking for something where I can have two to three and um, not slurring or stumbling or, you know, yeah. looking in general like a, mm. you know, worse version of myself. So <laughs> 
Yeah. For, for me, it's, 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 it's not just about that. It's, it's, it is about that. It is about finding ways to make great beer with less ingredients, but it's also about that idea of just experimentation. Mm. The, there are large breweries in Japan that have amazing research labs and they are identifying these components on a molecular level. And then the broader brewing winemaking distilling community can take this information and then they can say, Oh, you know what? That's exactly what's inside this grape skin. That should work too. And it's a byproduct of producing wine and we'll take mm-hmm. it and we'll sell it after it, all of these things are just, they make for a more exciting time in the industry. It's not just all of this waste stocking up around you as you're producing. Like saying with, with it being a byproduct anyway, that something otherwise probably would just be going to waste or going in the bin. The fact that it can be recovered and have a second secondary purpose is fantastic. And the, the, the more that this gets out to, to, every brewer or accessible to most brewers then the better so is that i I don't know the sort of the the history and sort of the the future of the availability of phantasm then is is the idea that this will be eventually available in the uk or is it just a case of like yourself you just have to you will just have to sort of smuggle it in to to take a punt on the customs and uh, hope that you don't get stopped (laughs) with a, a random bag of white powder yeah exactly strangely enough um i I know of a a london-based brewery that just went over to austria and did a collaboration in vienna and the viennese brewery had phantasm so i don't know what the import laws are in the eu or the regularity with which the eu is getting any i know that yakima chief has offered next summer this coming summer they've uh they've repackaged the product. So they've put together a hop blend plus the phantasm mm. and are selling that as a new product. So they are okay. bringing it over here. I'm not a big, a big fan of how they're doing it because I don't need them to tell me which hops to blend it with. Mm. And they're doing that mm. in a, a pre, a pre-packed uh, uh, product. And uh, for me, I, I'd rather just take those products and add them on my own. I don't yeah, need do somebody else yeah, to come basically. up. Yeah. yeah. But it, but it is coming. And um, from what I understand from the Yakima chief rep, they, they have had uh, a, you know good feedback and good response on their emails to breweries asking who wants some. And I, I, as far as I know, they're sold out. I had originally ordered some and then canceled my order, realizing that it's so much more fun for me to smuggle. <laughs> Puts the excitement <laughs> into it all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At some point, he might, uh, might get thrown in jail at the border at some point in time, but that's all part of the fun of it. It's part of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you can you imagine the PR with that? No, that would be, be great. Be yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> this, um, this, this first came about in um, in New Zealand. Am I right in saying this? This obviously with the Nelson Sovin, obviously from the grapes and the wine. This this first originated or started life in the southern end of New Zealand. The, Is that right? At at the moment, that's the only place I. That's the only. Um, uh, uh, location that I know that is producing a product like this. I don't know mm. why uh, a, a winery with, you know, with the wonderful terroir that they have in central California or um, mm. all throughout France. I don't know why any of those couldn't do the same. Mm. Uh, you know, is it, is it just that New Zealand is such a burgeoning market that they still have, they're, they're, they're looking for, 
more ways to experiment and to reuse the product. And I don't know, but maybe the California wine growers will catch on and they'll do it as well. I, that's a little beyond my expertise on the product. I, mm. um, I'd like, I'd like to know more. I'd like to know why you can't get some from, you know, English varietals. That'd be great. That'd be great mm. if it was local. That'd be great if I could go down to Kent and pick up some, uh, you know, pulverized grape musts skin and bring it back up here and mm. and rock some into a brew. That'd be wonderful. That is an interesting point. I'm, I'm, I'd like you say, I don't know if it's a case that we've been slow on the uptake, whether it's specific, like you say, you know, grapes and regions and obviously their their climate that lends more properties to it that there's the reason why they can do it. And maybe we'll be the last ones to to figure it out like we always seem to be in this world yes just, yeah. uh, we, we we always seem to be the the last ones it's always great over there and america's great and then we get it like three years later it's like yeah but they've been doing it for they've perfected it by now you know we're just getting to grips with it if we'd have got it at the same time we'd we'd be we'd be up there with them but yeah it's an interesting uh, an interesting point as to you know because obviously our weather isn't great for 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 grape growing and for wine making but certainly in areas like say in, in kent or cornwall as well where it's you know the climate's a little bit warmer and lends itself to to these things well maybe they could do it you know maybe there is something in there to to look at and you know sure it's not going to be in uh in such high production and high quantity as it is in you know new zealand or america but if you can chuck some of that in like you say that's adds locality to the products and like you say it, it gives you something that other people probably won't have, which again just adds to the whole experience, doesn't it? Well, this is using local X, Y, Z, and da da da, and well, well, there you go. It, it's it all adds to the experience, and it's again reducing that carbon footprint of whether it's come from New Zealand or America or what have you. And I've literally driven to get it or what have you. And yeah, that 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 is an interesting uh, interesting point. Maybe I we'll have to do some digging and find out. Have you got any of the phantasm left then is the important question, Tom, or is it all gone? Uh, we have another batch that's on its way into the country right now. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> don't, don't, that's it. If they're listening, if they've bugged the phone lines, that's it. They're going to track that flight and find it. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, so how, how much um, did you actually... I mean, obviously, if you don't want, don't want to say, feel free, but sort of quantity-wise, what are you putting in a batch then in terms of the quantity of this? We went with the recommended. We went with the with the recommended dosage this time. So for each brewery, it was uh, you know roughly ten kilos in mm -hmm. a uh, two thousand liter batch. They're mm -hmm. a little bit larger than us up there. They're at uh, twenty five hectoliter, but yeah, mm -hmm. um, I, I I think you'll find that it comes across very similarly in both beers at at that concentration. I I, I just want to you know one shout out here, and that's I know we villainized. Demonize large breweries a lot, and rightly so because they do a lot of things. They have a lot of tactics that really make life for a small brewery difficult. But the advancements to um, equipment, to ingredients, uh, it can't be said enough that those are those are due to you know heavy R and D programs. And for them, mm. it's really just to make their product better and cheaper. And you know, if 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 they spend a million on R and D in a year, and they can potentially save a hundred million on, uh, you know, on on production, and or add a hundred million to sales, which is wonderful. But we we do benefit from that stuff because all this information is coming out through academic papers, and 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 this is a a, a great example of us getting this information 
a uh, a winery down in New Zealand taking it, understanding that their product has the same sort of theals, and then introducing that crazily to you know because they're craft beer crazy down there. So mm. and and they grow all those wonderful hops, and to have mm-hmm. them rec- recognize what a valuable raw material this could be, and then to start working with really, you know, hype, well-known breweries throughout the States. And then, you know, it trickles down to people like us, small little Mondo Brewing Company in Southwest London. Well, this is it, because like you say, they've, they've got the budget to do these things and research papers and all these other bits and bobs. And, you know, it, it's like, it's like you say, the, there's a lot of negative or reasons to be negative about big breweries and big mm. beer. Because there are. Because, you know, look like you say, look at the cynical business models and trying to put smaller craft breweries out of business and things but like you say all drip feeds down doesn't it in terms of all the information that they're finding because ultimately they are you know brewing is a science it's an art you know it is a scientific process and there will be someone somewhere studying it trying to find well to get the best yield or the best quality out of a certain you know batch of wheat or barley or malt or what have you and the, the perfect temperatures for fermentation and best hop utilization and whatever it might be they're always going to be trying to find that and even if you can take just a small percentage of that information and apply it to yourselves then then fantastic and you know the, there is there is a place for big beer in the world you know be oh, can't all be craft beer you know unfortunately it can't all be craft beer because not everybody wants <laughs> to drink good beer for whatever reason um yeah. you know and, and it, it does have a place in the world and and if there are some positives to take out of their existence and their dominance of the marketplace then when, when why not why shouldn't you sort of piggyback off that and sort of ride on the the back of the wave of there well we've discovered this right well, well we're gonna do it then like well, why why shouldn't we try it and and make it a success and all credit to the people out there like you say that are finding these things out and studying these things and it's like you say how somebody came to discover that crushed dried you know grape skins and what have you yeah. were, you know were the next big thing well who knows but how did you know, whoever discovered, you know, like like penicillin, how was that discovered? And, you know, and all these other wonderful, yeah. weird and wonderful advancements in science and technology. It's just, it's just a one moment that's just, well, it's just chance, isn't it? I suppose a lot of it is just somebody just thinking, well, let's try this. It's like sales with a no boil, you know, Tom, it's like, like doing that. It's yeah. like, well, it just takes somebody to think, well, let's just do something different. Let's try it and see what happens. <laughs> And then that, and I'm, right, and I'm right in saying that you've done this in in this because I've noticed that you said that there's a cool pool on on this label as well. So have you done, done use that process in this beer as well? That's correct. Yeah. 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 Why not? Yeah. You know, and like you say, like there, it's just well, you've you've changed the sort of the, the process, and it's like it's a, it's a bloody great beer. You know, it's just well, you don't need to. It do. is very good. It's incredible. It's really good, and it's like well. You know, it makes me think, well, if we could find some, we should use some. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. we should we should try and try and do it if we can find it and just try it. But it's like we, we've been discussing, I don't know if you know, Tom, but we, we do these small batch beers. Aaron, Aaron's a, a brewer by trade and we do these small batch beers. And I don't know if you've seen that uh, AI seems to be uh, the next big thing at the moment is chat, <laughs> chat GPT and... I just casually typed it another day, write me a beer recipe, you know, for a, for a West Coast IPA, and it came back with a recipe, and it's like, well, that's it now. It's game over, isn't it? You know, it's, this it's is it. Over. I'm done. Yeah. So it's taken over by the machines. Yeah. So I was like, Did you brew it? 
well, we've got that's the next thing we are gonna we are gonna just yeah. whatever style it will be. It, you know, it was a West Coast IPA just as a an, an example, but yeah, it could be a pale ale, an IPA, stout, lager, whatever it might be. It's gonna, <laughs> it's plug, gonna see it. plug it in, see what it says. But it gave it came back with a recipe, and it came back with the the process and the method as well. It's like well. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, an idiot's guide to making beer. It's I sent I sent to Aaron. I said, "Well, it looks like an half decent recipe as well." To be fair, so, <laughs> it didn't look bad. To be fair, like, it was like, God knows well, what yeah. recipe it was, but yeah, I didn't know that like artificial intelligence has to have some sort of human intelligence sort of input into it and all that. That you know, I'm not a scientist or whatever, but I was like, I mean, that don't look too bad. To be fair, <laughs> like, yeah, let's do whatever, it. Man. Whatever the hell nine thousand has come up with for you guys, please send me one. <laughs> Terminator, whatever you want to call it, that life form that gave you guys this recipe, please send me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. It could, it could be disastrous, and it could, be, you know, if it's amazing, it's like, it really is. If it is amazing, it really is, really is game over. But yeah, I mean, this this product is. I mean, I, I see that you've used cryopop in in um, in this mm-hmm. recipe as well, in this beer as well, and. I remember was it was it last year year before when when it first came over here I think North were the first brewery to North, use it yeah um and they were like on even our trade email oh there was an NDA oh we can't tell you what it is and da 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 and everyone's like what is it oh it's just another hop and it's kind of like it seemed to have been like the builders the next big thing but never really took off and no. I, I tried the beer yeah. and I was like you know it's nice it's a good beer do I think it's anything different to what I've had before maybe not. Whereas I'm drinking that, I'm thinking that that could actually yeah. genuinely change things. You know that that has a potential to actually change things. It's it's exciting to have something that think you know give you a little bit of oh my god, like you say that that actually could you know make the industry better and and change everything as we know it. So yeah, it's in quite... in, in many ways you, you you really just hit upon a, a very important point, and that is that these things come to us through our suppliers and. We don't really have a frame of reference. When somebody tells you we've made this thing called cryopop and it's amazing and all these growers love it and this is what so-and-so brewer has to say about it, unless you have a you know a friend in the industry that's actually used it and comes back mm. to you with it and explains it to you in a language that you understand, you're really just taking a chance and, and mm. you try to build on that hype you know, to pay that chance off. You, you want that chance to work for you and you want to make money off of it and um, you want your customers satisfied, and so sometimes the hype comes through, and it's 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 just that it's hyperbole, and mm. sometimes it comes through, and it's 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 real. We we were on the first wave of those cryopop users, and mm-hmm. I remember tasting the beer and thinking, I I think this is just jazzed up citra with a little bit of <laughs> you know a little bit more rounder flavor to it, and I I whatever we had left of the bag i inadvertently just threw in another beer and, and i don't remember yeah. us making a big deal about it at all because i just wanted to use the rest of it up mm. yeah because i knew it, paid i knew it, it, so... it, it yeah it didn't carry the weight that it, you know all the marketing and advertising came from the supplier so it's a tough game when you're when you're when you you know you're you're not in these circles all the time you're not the, the states uh, some of this is more tactile because you're you're near these farms that are that are producing this stuff the reps are right in your face it takes a little longer to get over here and sometimes it come over comes over in much smaller quantities and you just have to roll the dice mm-hmm. uh, with this one you know we had seen 
uh, quite a few few breweries and known some of the brewers who said, you know, the Phantasm stuff is is really out of this world. And particularly if you use it with a yeast that will not allow the theols to burn off during biotransformation, you'll be in good mm. hands. Mm. That, that character, that really bright, fruity, uh, clean, citrusy character that you would find in a good Sauvignon Blanc is going to, it's going to make its way all the way to the glass. Mm. It's not going to disappear in the, in the bright beer tank when you carve it up to 4.7 grams per liter, whatever it is. The, the carbonation is not going to kill it. Nothing. It's going to come through and you're going to love it. And the fact that we didn't boil it, I mean, I think that lended to the fact that it bonded to the proteins a little bit better and those flavors just keep coming on through and it makes for a really consistent haze. Um, mm. I was one of those people 15 years ago that thought hazy beers were an accident that needed to be cleaned up. And um, I slowly came around to the game around 2011, 2012. And since then, I've embraced those style beers because I think they really are an art form. They really are to get something that isn't a murky glass of yeast chunks is and mm. tastes good and looks consistent. That's a really hard thing to do. And um, I'm, I'm proud of my brew team for, for being able to do it on a regular basis. Yeah. No, nah, man, you should be amazingly, amazingly proud. I mean, I mean, this is, you know, the thing with like the no boiling, you know, putting this uh, phantasm in and stuff. It's like, yeah, I don't want to throw around the word pioneer, but, you know, it is very pioneering. You know, it's like, you know, like the Wright brothers, you know, we're going to make this machine, it's going to make you fly. All right. Yeah. Go on then. <laughs> and then, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't mind throwing the word pioneer at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah, this, yeah, you're, you're pioneers. It is, it is, it's though, amazing. It? It's, it is, though, isn't it? Like you say, cause it's like you say about the, the cryopop and the, the sort of the, the spiel and the hyperbole about it and what have you. And it's like, well, it, it's easy to get caught up in that, but to actually have something that's this is going to be great, try it, use it, and then actually to, to see it in your own product and be. As as Aaron knows, you can be very hypercritical about your own product, but to actually then mm. be like, "Oh my god, yeah," the, I, I kind of believe it. Then, then yeah, then if you can keep being the the sort of the, among the first wave of users to get in it, I'll be you know maybe sort of in a bit of in a clandestine way and what have you, but you know a bit <laughs> sneaky and just uh, whatever routes to market you can get it. Then oh, you know, fair play to you for for trying it and doing it and using it and. And again, the, the 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 whole no boil method. It's something that we, we might have to try, Aaron. You know, just to, to give it I a get, and just be I, like, I'm just... already, yeah, I'm going in tomorrow and saying, right, this we're not boiling this, <laughs> just to see what it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but I do want to try it, man. I mean, I've never known a beer have like a, such a story behind it. You know, the whole, um, the art. You know, the artist from Sweden. They had to have a drug mule. To get the uh, the grapes over, you know the the, the no boiling <laughs> technique that they got from Norway. It's like, what is going on with this? It's amazing. So yeah, the story behind it is absolutely amazing. So and the beer as well <laughs> lives up to it. So mm. no, no, man, I really, really, just yeah, just yeah, bit, yeah, bit bit mind blown really with it all. It's just so cool. It's just yeah, it's awesome, man. Well, for me, I, I hope brewing stays this way. You know, if we can string mm. together uh, brews like this until the day I call it quits, then uh, I'll be a very happy person and I'll feel like I've 
you know, lived a, a wonderfully productive career because this is the kind of stuff that really is the fun part. Um, we make a lot of lagers. We make a lot of our house mm -hmm. IPA. We make a lot of our session IPA and our New England pale ale. We make a, a beer for a restaurant chain called Deschum. And those are brewed regularly. They're brewed, you know, several times a week. And um, mm. it's kind of like coming in and, 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 and feeding the horses. But, you know, these other ones, this is really, this is fun. This is um, well, it's, that's brewing, isn't it? You know, yeah, a, brewing is is fun. You yeah, know, and element I think, of, uh, element of danger. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know. I mean, you know, like I think that got a little bit rebirthed when we started doing our own sort of like the the podcast beers, where we went in and you know just do our own thing. You know, I, I was given sort of free reign. It was like, yeah, do what you want, and then that sort of like rebirthed that excitement. You know, because you can't like you say, you know, you know, doing the house lagers or the house, you know, sessions or, you know, contract brews or what have you. It can get a little bit stagnant, can't it? I mean, it's still fun because it's brewing, but you can get into that point where it's like, yeah, you don't look forward to it. And then when you do something, you know, like Phantasman, you're like going, oh, God, what's it going to turn out like? And you do find yourself being like a kid in a sweet shop. Like, oh, I want to try it now. I want to try it now. And. It's it's why we all fell in love with brewing, and uh, yeah, if you can keep that going and keep that passion burning, then why not? You crossed it, then, aren't you? you? That's that's it. You've you know com exactly. com completed it, mate. At that point, aren't you? Just <laughs> the like, walls yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but like you say, Tom, if you if that excitement and this is a sort of the, the future for however long that you keep going until the day that you call it quits, then happy days. You know what I mean? Because you don't want it to become a a chore or boring or monotonous. You want to just keep the the, the good times coming and the the excitement rolling and fingers crossed that we are there. And, and if this does take the UK by storm or whatever and Phantasm becomes more readily available, then it is just going to change things again, I think. And so almost mm. maybe kickstart the revolution of, of craft beer again after what have been in maybe a tough couple of years with everything that's gone mm. on with COVID and cost of living crisis. And then if this comes out at the right time and sort of re, re sort of kindles that love and, and passion for it, then, then, albeit crack on you know what i mean just let it let it let it do its thing and and see where we end up but yeah that's that that's a superb beer that is just i'd be very intrigued to try what the um like the saltair version would be on cask yeah yeah i'd be very intrigued to see what that's like like you say using the same quantity but on a bigger batch and sort of on a bigger scale but obviously with cask beer you don't want it necessarily to blow people's heads off with mm. potentially being a bit more traditional but just to see what it's like especially here sort of hand pull serve through a sparkle a nice pint of that with a nice creamy head on top of it just see what that does oh. to the aroma of it just to see what that releases with the, the can you imagine how good that's going to be that's gorgeous yeah. it really is yeah on 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 on, on hand pump it's uh, wonderful beer yeah mm. that was just blown away i might have to uh, i might have to reach out to Solterre and see uh, see if they've got it on at some point uh, just fancy just coming over just have a pint please yeah just uh, the, I, I feel like we need to make that happen we need to make that happen Definitely. get the train tickets booked yeah 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 but tom i think that pretty much uh, brings us to the uh, to the end of this show but thank you uh, very very much for for trooping on and uh, joining us albeit a bit under the weather um, but we appreciate you uh, you coming on and taking the time out to talk to us and thank you for sending us the beers we've we've thoroughly enjoyed them um and we'll uh, yeah if i see that anywhere on tap or in can again that yeah i'm i'm having some more yeah. of that because that is that's wonderful that that is 
that is a fantastic little beer. So yeah, you've uh, you've sold us on Phantasm, and hopefully uh, many other people uh, will be sold on it, and we'll keep uh, we'll we'll share it and share the good word about it as well as as mm-hmm. as best we can. Um, but for anyone who was listening, Tom, where can people find out more about um, yourself and Mondo, um, and more importantly, where uh, can buy the beer from? Yeah, uh, MondoBeer.com. We ship all throughout the UK. Uh, you can just Mondo Beer throughout socials. You can see uh, our range. Um, the website has a uh, a link for our uh, e-commerce store. And then, of course, you know, there's uh, craft beer pubs throughout London who are currently pouring this beer. And uh, our new venture is Mondo Beer and Pizza in borough market in central london it'll be opening in about a week and a half and we'll have it on there super sounds good i think for the last three shows we've said this because it seems to be a thing that we've had three london based breweries on in quick succession that we keep saying we're going to come to london i know yeah and and, and i keep thinking empty words until we actually make it happen we've spoke to you guys we've spoke to forest road we've spoke to pillars and every yeah. time, yeah, we're going to come to London. We're going to come to London. We 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 need we need to make it happen. And beer and pizza is just like, well, what more do you want? What yeah, more you four nights. Yeah, exactly. First rounds on me. No, oh, very generous, but we'll uh, too we'll, kind. Yeah, we'll 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 make it happen sometime soon. We'll make it happen sometime soon. But Tom, thanks again for for joining, Aaron. As usual, thank you for joining as well. No, nope. um, thank you for having me. That is us for this evening. So thank you very much for watching and listening. We'll be back very, very soon. And we'll see you on the next episode. See you later, dudes. Cheers. Cheers.